meat is very similar to wine, grape wine. Uh, instead of grape juice, uh, it's just honey water, which is fermented. Thank you for joining us today. Our goal at the Asia-Pacific Wine and Spirit Institute is to promote cultural diversity through wine education. This podcast is for wine enthusiasts, beginners, and anyone who is interested in learning more about wine and those who work in the world of wine and culture. Check out our website, www.abwazi.com, and take one of our 30 online wine and spirit courses available. If you're new to this podcast, please follow the show and subscribe if you enjoyed the content. Welcome to the Abwazi Wine Buzz podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Clinton Lee. When you ask people about the word bee, many images will come to their mind. One might think of, ouch, it's going to sting. Another might be the national spelling bee. Is it a competition? And then of course, another one might be thinking of that wonderful spread that we put on our charcuterie board, or even simply on a piece of toast. Today's guest is a renowned and extremely well-respected mead maker. And he's going to share with us the state of mead and fascinating facts about it. So welcome to the show, Alexander Eckhart. It's wonderful to have you with us. It's a pleasure of mine. Thanks uh, for inviting me. Pleasure. So, Alexander, when we mention the term honeymoon, and many would know what we're referring to, the honey relates to the ancient drink made from honey, and there should be enough for the newlywed couple to last at least till the new moon. And that's how the origin of the word honeymoon came about. Now, that ancient drink is made from honey and it's called mead. So what is mead exactly and how is it made? Well, mead is the oldest um, alcoholic beverage mankind has discovered. It's mainly just fermented honey water. Okay, so if one was to um, you know, get the honeycomb, would they technically be able to make it? How do you, you know, actually make it? You know, what's the process you go through? Um, more or less, it is very simple. You do have honey. And if you have raw natural honey, there is pollen in it. And within the pollen, you've got uh, yeast colonies. And uh, in the natural state of honey, the yeast is um, deactivated because it uh, contains too much sugar. So if you water the honey down, the, the yeast will start um, to be alive again. 
and start to eat the sugar and change the sugar into alcohol. And therefore, meats will be uh, exist. So it's a normal fermentation process then? Indeed. Meat is very similar to wine, grape wine. Uh, instead of grape juice, uh, it's just honey water, which is fermented. Okay, so are, are you saying that pretty much anyone, if they get some honeycomb and they add water to it and they let it rest, it will naturally ferment? Usually, yes. You don't know the outcome, of course, because um, there are many yeast, uh, yeasts around, so it can maybe taste well or not so well, but uh, it will usually start to ferment. Now, now, you're originally from Germany, Stuttgart. How did you land up in Switzerland? <laughs> well, because of uh, the love. <laughs> Um, Stuttgart is very close to Switzerland, and I meet my well former girlfriend in Basel, mm -hmm. um, which is the um, the biggest city in Switzerland, close to Germany. And well, we met there, and uh, I fell in love, and that's where I decided to change the border. Ah, I see. So um, that's that's what brought you to Switzerland. Now. You know, getting back to that honey, technically, can any source of honey be used? And what's your preferred method and why? Um, so far, the kinds of honey I had fermented all went very well with the fermentation. I heard from other meat makers that there are some kinds of honey which won't be very easy to ferment. Um, but usually you can use every kind of honey. Uh, the method I use is uh, just a very simple one. It's an old uh, ancient method, which is called boiling. So boiling. So, yeah, you boil the honey under water. Um, you had boiled in former times. Uh, in nowadays, I try to let the honey be um, healthy. So I don't boil it anymore. I just heat it up so it gets uh, more liquid add water and uh, stir it to get uh, well diluted uh, honey water. Um, yeah, then I insert yeast or I ferment spontaneous. It depends on the kind of meat and uh, just uh, control the, the process. So is it, is it very, uh, you know, getting a little bit technical now, is, is the, 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 the temperature that you, um, are going to sort of melt, you know, and, and liquefy the honey? Is it, is it a slow uh, sort of heat that you apply or is it quite fast? Um, you know, what's the proportion of water and, and does that make a difference? Indeed. Um, I try to uh, be around uh, 40 degrees of Celsius. Okay. I don't know if you uh, use Celsius in Canada yeah. or Fahrenheit. Um, so um, meat, uh, no, honey should not be warmer than 40 degrees because of the vitamins, which we will, will spoil them if it get any hotter. Uh -huh. So I try um, not to uh, get hotter than 40 degrees. Uh -huh. Yeah. 
I see. Okay. And um, and what's the proportion of water that you add? Um, usually, the, the kinds of meat I use, uh, I make, uh, is um, one part of water, uh, no, one part of honey and two parts of water. So there, there's rather uh, a lot of honey within the bottle of meat. Uh -huh. But uh, you can use, uh, let's say, a fifth of honey and four parts of water. This will uh, work as well. But you don't taste the honey as much, of course. Of course, because of the dilution. Right. So, you know, when, when you think of honey, you think it's sweet. But on, you know, on your website, you know, apparently not all meat is sweet. And some meat is aged in oak barrels. I mean, like wine, you know, not all wine is, is sweet. Some are, some are, some are not. Some are aged in barrels, some are not. Could you share with us the distinctive styles and types of meat? Of course. No, it gets, uh, no, it gets a bit um, broad. Yes. Because as meat is so old, there are so many styles of meat and so many different meats. Um, every culture around the world has more or less um, found meat and got its own style of meat. So um, we, we distinguish, um, how to say, um, kinds of meat uh, in a very basic um, sortiment. So we first have the traditional meats. They're just made out of honey, yeast, and water. You have three different styles that's uh, sweet, semi-sweet and dry. Mm -hmm. Then you have uh, the mellow melts. These are meats uh, which are fermented with uh, fruit. So with fruit? Fruit, yeah. You mm -hmm. can, uh, uh, for example, uh, piment is a meat uh, which is fermented with uh, grapes. You do okay. have, you do have a sizer. The sizer is uh, a mixture between a cider and the meat, so apples and honey, which uh, which are meant uh, mixed together and fermented. Um, for example, you do have cherries. So there, there's a uh, a really big uh, uh, a lot huge, of variety. Yes, a huge kind of variety. Of course, um, you do have spiced meats as well. Uh, where you use all spices like pepper, cardamom, uh, pine tips, uh, cinnamon, and so on. You do have uh, coffee meal. Um, there you ferment coffee with the honey. Uh, capsicum meal is uh, where you use chilies. Uh -huh. So to work with the spice, uh, the spiciness of the chilies and the sweetness of the honey which is a real nice combination. You do have uh, watermelons, that's uh, rose hips and honey. And uh, well, I can talk <laughs> for hours. Yeah, <laughs> so, so, many... so, so what, what I'm picking up, Alexander, literally you could add anything. Now I'm, I'm quite curious. You say you, you, you can mix it with grapes. Now is that grape juice that you're yes. going to mix it? So therefore yeah. you have some of that sugar. In, 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 the, in the grape juice, the moose, 
that would also be fermenting then. Yes, of course you you have to set the amount of sugar right. So you you can't use as much honey as in traditional meats with a uh, with a piment meat mm -hmm. uh, because then you will have too much sugar and uh, the fermentation will be not as easy as one. But of course, you can use the grape juice, or you can use the whole grape, um, the whole grapes. So you can use the whole grape, so you don't even need to crush them. Is that what you're saying? Of course, sorry. Of course, uh, you you crush them and ah. uh, well, like a wine, but uh, added with honey. <laughs> okay. Now, have you made? Uh, uh many different varieties of mead with different varieties of grapes? Um, so far, I mainly produce traditionals because there are so many kinds of different honeys. I compare it like this, that every kind of honey is like a different kind of grape for me. So with each uh, single kind of honey, I can make an own uh, style of mead. Right, because I was just thinking, if you were going to use, let's say, um, a Gewürztraminer uh, or a Riesling or a Toronto's grape, because those are very, or Viognier, those are very aromatic. Would you get those uh, smells and aromas coming from that honey that was mixed with those particular grapes? I've not mm -hmm. had the pleasure yet. <laughs> so you, you would have. Um, so far, I did once an experiment with an old kind of grape, uh, which I fermented uh, spontaneous. And I made a very light uh, meat of it, um, which still sparkles like a pet nut, petillon naturel. Um, and you really can, uh, you were able to, to sense the kind of uh, grapes. Okay. Also, a friend of mine won once uh, made made uh, piment with a Gewürztraminer, and it was really a pleasure to drink. Okay, so you do get a little bit of the characteristics of the grape then when it's in with the mead. Very interesting. Now, now you're the president of the European Mead Makers Association. Um, tell us more about that association. It's it when you say European, does that mean EU? No, it's uh, Europe because okay. Switzerland, <laughs> Switzerland isn't in the, <laughs> in the European Union. That's right. That's why it's my, my question. Yes. And um, well, the uh, European Meat Makers Association was founded in 2017. So it's a very young organization. Uh -huh. um, uh, because I I sense there is a growing market and more and more meaderies are open here. And in the United States, uh, there is the American Meat Makers Association, which was uh, founded some years ago. So it's it's much older than the uh, European Meat Makers Association. And um, it's always good to work together even if you're competing against each other, but uh, we all work uh, with our hearts, more or less. Um, yes, yes. Uh, so we can uh, use our uh, whole force to promote meat a bit um, bigger. So how many members do you have 
And do they come from all across Europe? Indeed, um, they're well uh, from mainly from the north western part of Europe. That means uh, Netherlands, Belgium, France, uh, Germany. Um, but also we got a huge amount of Polish meat makers uh, because uh, Poland has a very long tradition making meat. Uh, in former times, uh, the climate was too cold in Poland uh, to get grapes. So they uh, are very, very uh, known in Europe for making meat. Yeah, um, yeah for the members, um, at the moment, I know of 150 European uh, meaderies. Uh, unfortunately, not all within the uh, European Meat Makers Association, because as we are really um, a young association, we are, we are still promoting ourselves and um, get our meaderies uh, into the boat. That's very interesting. And um... You know, talking about Europe, how much mead is actually produced in Europe and how much is from Switzerland? You know, when we think of wine, we think, oh, Italy, we think of France, we think of Spain, the big names, and we know pretty much how much is produced. But what about mead? Unfortunately, there are no numbers yet. Ah. Uh, at the moment, there's a questionnaire going around Europe. And I hope it will be filled out soon. But so far, there are no numbers. Um, what I have, to, what I can say actually is uh, that there is a lot less produced than wine because uh, there um, not hmm, there isn't uh, so much honey around than grapes. Yes, it's a dwindling uh, bee population. Um, so who, who would you say is the, is the highest producer uh, of mead in Europe? It's uh, Poland. Poland. And who would come in second? Um, after Poland, I think uh, maybe the, um, Slovakia and uh, Czechia, because they're also very um, historical known for traditional meads. Um, yeah, mainly the northeastern uh, European countries. All right. So, interestingly enough, you know, when when you make wine, you need grapes, and when you um, uh, you make mead, you need honey. But you need the person, the skilled personnel and staff to do that. So, does the European Mead Association, of which you're the president? have a school or a training center to teach the next generation of mead makers? Um, not yet. What we developed so far is a, a kind of score sheet so we can judge different meads. And uh, this was the first step to um, gather information and to be able to compare meads uh, together. And afterwards, uh, one big goal is to actually teach people how to really make good meats and to use the right kinds of honeys. Because there are um, several 
industrial meets around, which are not very nice, and people get to know them. Uh -huh. and, um, the problem is, if people think about meat, they think uh, it has to taste always the same. So if uh, if a customer wants uh, get, uh, um, I say a bad bottle of meat, uh -huh. um, there's always the danger that uh, this bad bottle will be in his mind, and uh, he will say. Uh, no, I don't like meat. I have drunk it once and uh, I don't like it. And um, actually, uh, if you speak in the wine world, no one will uh, ever say this because people know there's so much different kinds of wine. And uh, it's the same with meat. So, yeah. so, so we have the length and breadth of variety and differences. Now, you know, when we talk about wine, we, we say, oh, this wine is faulty. Uh, you know, it, it might have um, uh, nail polish or, you know, aroma, or it might have wet cardboard or vinegar. You mentioned the word bad mead a, a few minutes ago. What, what exactly, how would you identify bad mead from the aroma, from the, the smell when, when you're tasting it or nosing it? Well, actually, we do have the same uh, faults like in wine, as you mentioned, with the uh, cardboard or the uh, horse um, smell, for example. But uh, what I call a bad meat is a meat which is way too sweet. Uh, and the sweetness isn't from the honey, but from uh, added sugar. Added so, sugar? Yeah. Unfortunately, you are allowed to back sweeten a meat, and uh, here with the back sweetening, you can use all kinds of sugar. Of course, it depends on the country, but I know from Switzerland and from Germany, um, the, the laws allow you to add uh, sugar. Um, this, of course, uh, is a bit cheaper than honey, but uh, the taste is very different to a meat which is just made out of honey. Of course, of course, the, the, the sugar, the breakdown, the chemical breakdown of the actual sugar would, would, you know, the sweetness is quite different. So who governs the laws of what you can and cannot do when you're making meat in Europe? Is it country by country or? Indeed, um, that's also a big, hmm, what say? Uh, it's a big difficulty as a European Meat Makers Association to gather all the different meats under one uh, carpet. Um, but uh, we try to work with our uh, politicians as well to uh, point them into the right direction. So, Alexander, this is interesting. You, it's called the European right uh association why not the eu <laughs> uh, because, because then surely if it's eu you'd be able to enact you know the the, the legal process would you not 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 as much much because um every country within the european union still got uh, is its own laws and concerning uh um, food and beverages, 
uh, each country is very proud of its own uh, style of uh, food and beverages. So um, here, the European Union hasn't as much as to to tell uh, to tell the different countries. Okay, so so it appears that mead production is is still in its infancy in terms of the legalities and how you can and how you label it. Um, you know, talking about that label um, with with a wine, you know, if it's been aged for a longer period, you know, they might say, you know, reserva um, or, you know, the different levels of quality, let's say of, of Italian wine, you know, DOCG. Is, is there such a thing in the labeling of mead? If someone picked up a bottle of mead, would it, would it, would it state, you know, you know, for, for a person who's picking up a bottle, what, what should they look for? <laughs> it depends on the country, unfortunately. Uh, Poland, for example, is very advanced. Um, here you got different styles of meat, uh, which are based on the amount of honey water ratio. So people can see um, the, the label and uh, know how much honey is used within the meat and how, how long uh, the meat is, is aged. But uh, for other countries, it's a bit different. Uh, in Switzerland, for example, uh, it's only if, if there's uh, written meat uh, on the bottle, people just uh, are sure that all the alcohol uh, is fermented out of honey. And that uh, there's only water, honey, and uh, yeast, of course, and you're allowed it to add some herbs. And that's a meat. So if I want to make a melomel, so a meat with fruits, I am no longer allowed it to call it meat. That's good to know. That's good to know. Now, they say all good things take time and uh, and time is costly now making mead from the time of fermentation to aging in a steel tank and then an oak barrel is close to two years now your mead is currently priced at around 2750 um swiss francs is that correct for about a 50 cl bottle which is 500 mil now if i was to take that standard bottle of 750 mil of wine, the mead would cost equivalent of about 41 euro. Now, would you not consider that a big obstacle for purchasers, you know, younger people, if one wants to make mead more popular? Because the price point, it's a huge barrier. You know, especially if you think of Europe, you can buy a good bottle of wine at say 10 euro. Um, here we do have two um, problems, more or less. Uh, first, the biggest one is that uh, I, for myself, I'm a Swiss company. I produce in Switzerland, and Switzerland is very expensive. So you can't you can't uh, transform my prices into, let's say, Germany or France, uh, for example. Um, our um, Switzerland is a high price island. In Europe, uh, our minimum wage for uh, un unlearned worker is uh, 20, 25 uh, francs per, per hour. 
So, yeah, you see. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, the other thing is the way I make meat um, is a traditional way of making meat. So I use a big amount of honey and I use uh, thyme. Um, so it can take about, um, let's say, four to six months for the meat to ferment. And after the fermentation, I let my meat uh, age for at least uh, half a year, mainly uh, a year. So um, that's that's the time which uh, comes into the account as well. Yes, of course. And uh, but it is also possible to make a meat with less honey and less alcohol in within three weeks. Uh, these are so-called session meats. Um, they're very hmm, light, and you can, can you can compare it to beer if you want to. Mm-hmm. Especially in the summer, they're very nice to drink. It's a refreshing kind of drink. And of course, you can drink a bit more with seven percent of alcohol than with, uh, let's say, twelve or fourteen percent. So, you know, you mentioned Poland is the largest uh, meat producer. How much do they charge for an equivalent of, say, 500 mil? Um, compared to the... Um, <laughs> let, me, let me see the word. Um, uh, compared to the amount people earn in Poland, it is uh, rather expensive. Um, I can't tell you the, the numbers because I don't okay, have so the they'll vary according to country, mm-hmm. according to production. Um, the, the thing is, um, just meat, uh, if you think about it, has to be the expensive, the most expensive kind of beverage because you use honey to make it. Um, barley and beer and hops or grape wines um, way more easy to produce and therefore cheaper than honey and um, that's the reason also meat um, meat almost uh, vanished from the world so people know wine people know beer but meat um, most people have a big question mark in their faces if you tell them about meat right talking about that You know, there's two big topics on everyone's lips when it comes to food security. That's climate change and organic. So how is climate change and the adding pollution affecting the bee colonies? Mm -hmm. Um, What I see is that uh, from year to year, there is less honey, unfortunately. Um, Of course, uh, Bees collect all the nectar from around uh, three kilometers around uh, their hives and they collect whatever they find. So um, bees can't tell whether if a crop is organic or a flower is organic or not, uh, genetically, genetically modified or not. They just uh, do what nature told them. Uh, this uh, that's collect pollen and nectar okay so would you say pollution is affecting uh, the population of the bees to a greater or lesser extent and how about uh, the sort of what you know climate 
warming? Uh, the one thing is uh, the bees itself are um, affected. And the other thing is uh, the honey and the, the whole uh, system. So honey, wax, the pollen. Uh -huh. um, that's why I use mainly honey from Eastern Europe, because there you got uh, um, more natural organic um, kinds of uh, flowers and what uh, um, to say, kind of farming. Right, right. Now, you know, talking about organic, you mentioned, you know, on your site, almost all of your wines are organic and you don't have big signs on the bottle. You know, while many would take your word, you know, um, on the website, but there are also those that don't, and that's in life. You know, unless it says organic, and they'll say, well, why don't you write it? Have you ever been challenged to this? And how do you respond? Yes, um, there is a really tiny little writing on the backside of my bottle, which tells that it is uh, organic certified and uh, my number. Also, there is um, uh, a big website which collects all the organic certified companies. And there you can see which um, product is organic certified. So if you really um, untrust, uh, if you really don't trust me, you have to look on the side and you, you see my, uh, my uh, needs. So, right. so they not, actually are labeled then, just not very loudly and broadly. Yes. Because no. my, my way of thinking is just that the organic production is the way it should be. And um, it more, more or less should be labeled that um, food or a beverage isn't uh, processed and produced in, in a natural way. Okay. Now you mentioned, you know, bees, they roam about pollinating the flowers, the berries and various other flora. How sure are you that they've not been in a field that has been subject to spraying? And would that prevent the organic label then on the mead bottle? Um, as I told before, I can't, um, uh, how to say, I can't, cannot, um, see where the bees uh, gathered their honey. Yeah, of course. So uh, the honey itself can be uh, polluted uh, mm -hmm. with pesticides and herbicides. Uh, by organic beekeeping, it's more or less meant how the bees are kept. So uh, uh, for example, you feed the bees um, with organic certified uh, sugar syrup after you're taking out the honey. Um, the wax which the combs are built is um, proved that uh, there isn't and there aren't any uh, toxic uh, ingredients in the wax because what's in the wax will sooner or later go into the honey. Right. Um, it is prohibited to feed your bees antibiotics, for example, and uh, well, it's not about the honey, it's, uh, it's about the bees. It's about the bees, okay. Now, you know, when we talk about wines, and, you know, 
you'll excuse me here because you know wines uh, is, is is quite central to what we do. So I would say all wines are good, but they are great ones and less great ones as many things in life. In your opinion, apart from your mead, of course, Alexander, which mead do you feel is the sort of pinnacle level? You know, like if you're saying French wine, it's a Grand Cru from Bordeaux. If it's Italian, you know, it could be that DOCG. What about mead? Um, well, personally, I really like Polish wines because okay. uh, not my wines, meat. Polish meat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Um, because, um, well, maybe it's uh, of the heritage. My family once came from Poland, and therefore I do like the Polish meats very, very much. But um, concerning about what is a good meat, um, there is, for example, the Mesa Cup uh, in the US or the uh, Meat Madness Cup in Europe. Mead Madness Cup. Mead Madness Cup, yeah. Okay, that's these quite are, a name. <laughs> these are international meat competitions, and the meat meats are judged by experts of the field. And if a meat wins their medal, it has to be good. So if one wants to taste uh, or wants to know what's good meat, I just advise to to look after the competition winners and search for them and uh, you will not found it or you will not have a bad meat and, <laughs> or okay. a, a not as great meat as could be. No? Now, Alexander, what, what advice would you give potential mead tasters? Like, like, you know, you come to a wine tasting and, you know, they're going to have a mead tasting is there a special order? Is there a special method to taste the meat? It's uh, very like uh, as in the world of wine. So you first look upon the color, uh, you, you smell the meat, and afterwards taste it. After the taste, it's the aftertaste. So it's uh, maybe one-to-one -one, uh, as in wine. Okay. What, what I can advise um, someone who never drank meat before is to be a bit uh, open. Uh, <laughs> I, I hope uh, you can follow me. Sure, um, please. So Carry on. If, if you once tasted a meat which you didn't like, there is a high probability you will once find a meat which you will like because there's so many kinds of different meats. So it's just uh, don't stop after the first try and you didn't like it. So, so we're very much on the same sort of parallel as wine tasting. Now, my second last question to you, talking about pairing, you know, you mentioned that meat it can be sweet, semi-sweet, and dry. If it's dry, you know, what could you pair that dry mead with? What would you pair it with in terms of food? Um, of course, it depends on the meat. <laughs> um, for dry meats, um, I think of um, 
maybe meat with a strong flavor because if i think about my meats well i don't produce uh, dry meats because it's a very hard field to produce a dry meat which tastes after honey and for me meat has to taste after honey, after honey. all right so, so what would you let's say semi-sweet what would you pair that with mm -hmm. what's your favorite pairing um for the semi-sweet um if one is very uh, experimental friendly I would advise to um, go with a um, venison uh, game, okay. game or lamb mm -hmm. or curry, for example. Because yeah, that's uh, interesting, yeah. The, the, the spiciness of the curry uh, fits very well with the sweetness of the honey. Also, with the um, game, uh, you do have a very strong taste of the meat. Right. Uh, meat <laughs> and therefore the, the meat uh, with a strong taste of honey fits well so alexander where do you see the future of mead in the next 10 years in europe i hope um well <laughs> that that is uh, really my my hope that everyone knows uh, what is meat and knows the differences between several kinds of meat so that there isn't um, the way of thinking that all meats are the same and uh, it would be really a nice thing if you can buy meat next to beer or wine in a shop mm -hmm. at the moment uh, you will find meat only in special uh, kind of shops um, Slowly, the uh, um, the how to say the the craft beer shops are opening uh, for meat, and also the uh, shops which are specialized uh, for natural wines uh, found meat. So it's a growing market, and uh, I really um, look forward for the next years. So. For our audience, if they wanted to find more information, is there a website for the European Mead Makers Association that they can go to? And mm -hmm. it is, um, it's euromeat.com. Okay, euromeat.com. And mm -hmm. uh, they will be able to find some of the very insightful and useful and, and very intriguing information that you've shared with us today. You've been listening to Wine Buzz Podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave a review or share it with a friend. Apwazi is an online wine and spirit institution dedicated to promoting culture and diversity through the world of education. If you're looking to get started, we have a free online course that we are giving out to all our listeners. For more information, head to apwazi.com. That's A-P-W-A-S-I.com.